What's up, everyone? This is Ellis Hammond, and you're listening to the Future of Real Estate podcast. This is the show for real estate investors who want to embrace the future in order to prepare and profit for what's coming next. Let's get this show kicked off. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Future of Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond. Today, we have Keith Meyer on the show, a managing principal, my partner at Symphony Capital Group. Keith is an experienced real estate investor. His family has been in the mobile home park space uh, for many, many years. Keith leads the deal sourcing and acquisitions at SCG. Uh, he is really uh, aware of what's going on around the country in terms of markets, cap rates, interest rates. And that's what we talk about today. We really get into this and make some bold predictions about where we think the industry is going and what we at Symphony are going to do about it. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this show. It's going to be super impactful for your portfolio or maybe if you're an active real estate investor, what you and your company can do to get ahead as well. Let's get into the show. Are you looking to add multifamily real estate to your portfolio? Symphony Capital Group, a private real estate equity group based in San Diego, California, makes it easy to get started investing in commercial real estate. Symphony Capital helps investors build wealth by providing passive investment shares to large, cash-flowing, multifamily buildings across the country. Owning private real estate shares in these deals allows investors to own real estate without the hassle, but with all of the benefits, including tax write-offs, cash flow, and the large upside from appreciation typical in commercial real estate. If interested, head to symphonycapitalgroup.com and sign up as an accredited investor. Each deal is funded on a first-come, first-served basis and made available first to those who are signed up as investors. Symphony's focus on finding, funding, and managing real estate investment properties allows you to focus more time on the things you love. Head now to symphonycapitalgroup.com to get started. Keith, welcome to the show, man. What's up? Happy Friday, right. brother. We made it. We made it. So Keith and I have been working on some big things, uh, closing a deal right now. So Keith, of course, is a partner at Symphony Capital Group, my investment company, and excited to have you on, man, just to talk about the future of real estate. And and I think these, these shows are going to be cool that we'll do together because we can kind of talk about what we're doing as an investment group with what we're learning in terms of blockchain, in terms of crypto, in terms of... Um, you know, cap rate environments, interest rates. So uh, I expect this to be a very informative show each week, man. So pumped to have you here. Love it. Yeah, it's hey, funny. Uh, commercial real estate kind of gets a reputation for being an old, stodgy, not tech-friendly industry. But the more we get deeper into operations, I mean, I see technology in all aspects of, of what we're doing. So I'm excited to talk about this stuff. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of front of mind uh, topics that we can take. Yeah, you know, I was just talking, man. I was just talking to, I was just, I was just being interviewed on a show and they were like, what are you looking forward to? Or what are you guys up to in this space? And you know what I, what I'm really, like exactly what you said, man. I, I feel like, you know, as a young person, we've watched a lot of great runs. You know what I mean? Like we've mm -hmm. seen the 2012 to 2020 run and, and really that was like the birth of syndication, man. That was the birth of crowdfunding, you know, and the jobs that came out. Yeah. That's the jobs that came out. And like, you know, this, this industry exploded and we know a lot of the guys that we're close with now, you know, are over a billion, $2 billion in a lot of ways because they took advantage. They were right time, right place, right. you know? And it's like, man, did we miss out on that? I don't know. And that's actually when a lot of this technology capabilities came out too. That's when mobile tech got huge. Everyone had a computer in their pocket, uh, big data analytics. So right. having all that stuff happen at the same time is, is super exciting. 
and then when we kind of got into this thing, there was a lot of fear, you know, pre-COVID I'm talking about where it's like, oh, well, you know, how long can we run for? You know, like, I, you know, things were got more skeptical, but then COVID hit, man. And, and I think what COVID has done is in some ways it's given us a, a great reset. Like it's, it's kind of weeded out the, the, the bad eggs. It's given a, a fresh new capital supply to the market. And in some ways, man, I feel like, you know, and now we have, you know, the rise, you know, almost like the rise in adoption, like uh-huh. a mass more adoption of crypto, NFT, the blockchain, because of just, the, you know, honestly, more capital in the markets and these things have happened. My point is this, this is a fun time, man, to be in this industry. And I feel like I'm so excited about the next six to eight years with Symphony, but even this industry abroad, because it just feels like we're in the current of something building that we get to be a part of and not be like, oh, look back, but well, I wish we would have been there. It's like, no, this is our time. And you sure. get the opportunity to do what you do with it. You know what I mean? Totally. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of capital. Obviously, uh, more money got printed in the last year than decades prior or something like that. And uh, that money's chasing yield. And right now, you know, the best investment we feel happens to be multifamily housing, but a couple years down the road, it very well could be something else. And I think these skill sets and these technology platforms enable us to stay front of mind and, and nimble and adaptable to to pursue what what is the most uh, sensible investment path. So I'm going to take a completely different direction than what we just talked about. Okay. So uh, let's just, just because this is this is this will be fun, and I think this will be this is super relevant. We both just listened to an excellent interview, Dr. Peter Lineman, on the Walker and Dunlap YouTube yep. channel. Guy came out. Guy, he had, he had a, a lot of great oh, was, thoughts. Yeah, there, I listened man. to it twice, <laughs> back to back. I, I'm gonna go back for sure. And so I want to. There's a couple of things that I want to ask you about uh, that I thought were very interesting, and I think you did too. Seems like everything we're reading about right now, or the the scare of the market is interest rates, how much interest rates will increase, what that will do to cap rates. His thesis was, you know, interest rates and cap rates historically aren't as correlated as the weight of money on cap rates, meaning the supply of money right now in the market what that does to cap rates and how much money there is currently chasing yield. And so ultimately his thesis is <laughs> cap rates are going lower. What do you think about that? I mean, in your experience, does that make sense? And and what, what do you think about that, that statement? Yeah. I mean, it's a layered statement, but on its surface, it, it ringed is very true. I mean, as a specific example, as I recall was back in 2007, we were at roughly the same cap rates that we are today or a year or two ago. But uh, as we all recall, interest rates back then were like high fives, uh, mid sixes. They were quite a bit higher, almost double what they are today where you're seeing high twos, low threes. You're saying that was 2008? That was 2008, yeah, versus today. So if you have half the interest rate, but cap rate's about the same, then obviously the spread between interest rate and cap rate isn't what's primarily driving these investment decisions. What do you think right now? I mean, his he's pretty bullish on these next six to eight years. What's different about now in 2008? I think there is so much capital in the system and to tie technology into this, it's easier to deploy that capital on a national or even global scale that, uh, you know, if there's, there's more 
supply than, or there's more demand than supply in this case for, for assets, uh, particularly commercial real estate. And again, we're, we're fighting high inflation right now as we read these inflation reports. So people are desperately trying to get any type of yield that they can, if not only just to preserve uh, their, their capital, um, but to obviously produce some type of yield. Commercial real estates, as Dr. Lenneman said, one of the few vehicles where you have a fighting chance basically of getting yeah. above the four five six seven percent yeah I, I, I use i love that i want to go back and like listen to that analogy again i mean i love that that his is like listen at least this gives you a fighting chance yeah. to create yield and build wealth where yeah, like exactly. and so to go back to that that's, a, that's a, that was the second point i want to ask you about was you know he he said i thought it was interesting eight trillion uh what is it eight trillion dollars are sitting in checking accounts like yeah, with retail investors, right retails, yep. everyday ordinary Americans, eight trillion dollars sitting in checking. And then that did had you know that was way earlier in the conversation. But then when they got to the point of interest or um, inflation, and you know currently we're at you know standard would be two percent, but this year we're seven percent. Scary, huh? <laughs> Incredibly, <laughs> I mean. What other alternatives do people have? I mean, it, you know, do you think that's why so much is flowing to these crypto markets and NFTs and stuff? I mean, you know, clearly we like real estate, but he, I, I was just thinking about that. It's like at least commercial real estate gives us a fighting chance. Where else? I, I'm just, I was just thinking about that. Like, yeah, he's right. And if you're not chasing, if you're not chasing real estate, which that's why so many people are, what else would you be chasing? There's not a whole lot out there, unfortunately. And that's why, I mean, some would say that we're inventing assets at this point through crypto assets and cryptocurrency. Um, but if you look at traditional yield generators like bonds, uh, mutual funds, stocks don't pay a, a dividend anymore. <laughs> they used to, they should, uh, but they don't. So if you're trying to get monthly or quarterly yield and cash flow, your options are, are pretty limited at this point, unfortunately. Even things like hard money loans and um, and, and private lending uh, with a low interest rate environment, that's going to naturally drive those rates down. Plus the tax advantages just aren't near as favorable as being an equity investor in, um, in an owner of real estate. So uh, your options are pretty limited and I, it pains me to say that. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a fascinating conversation. The, the last one I wanted to ask you about was this, you know, and I, this is kind of when I pulled it in my garage, I had to go, but I thought this was something for us to talk through as a team. Let's talk about it here live, <laughs> unpracticed, un, un, un uh, right? Let's do it, man. I, this is, this is the part of the show that I love. It's just super raw and I want people to really get a, a view on, you know, how these conversations go. You know, he talked about alpha and beta markets explain explain to the audience kind of his understanding and explanation of alpha and beta markets and then i want to talk about what our thesis is a symphony and how maybe we're utilizing both alpha and beta moving forward yeah man yeah i'm glad i listened to that podcast twice because i didn't catch it on the first go around but yeah. i did on the second i think so basically what he was saying is an alpha market is more of a stabilized market that's naturally going to be lower cap rate but it has more uh, dependable, predictable jobs uh, presence yeah. and job growth, and it's going to be a slower growth rate. So typically, that's going to be your high government jobs, high healthcare job markets. Washington D.C. was an example that he used, obviously with right. the Comes mind, government yeah. employment there. And then beta markets were um, higher up and downs, essentially. So higher growth in good times and higher job losses in bad times. So 
that would be your hospitality, tourism, dependent uh, markets, Orlando, Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Those types of markets. Great, great explanation. Thank you. You know, he was saying when you are in the defense mode, meaning like you kind of worried about what's going to happen in the economy, he typically likes to be in alpha markets where, you know, where maybe when you're, you're, when you're bullish on the economy, though, you kind of want to be in B markets or at least mm-hmm. a, port, a section of your portfolio yep. in B markets. I would say at Symphony, you and I both agree, we, we, we are bullish on the economy uh, in terms of the next six to eight years. We truly believe COVID has given us a reset. We're, we're excited about being in the market over the next six to eight years. I mean, like, but let me, let me just ask you this. Like, what do you think our portfolio will look like three years from now in terms of alpha beta proportionately? Like if you had to map it out, what is it? Cause we've done both. We've bought in Houston. We're buying in Austin we've bought in Kansas city, bought in San Diego now. I don't know. What do you, after listening to that is like, does it make you more bullish on like maybe trying to buy in some of these more beta markets enforcing appreciation and kind of playing that over the next three to four years before we try and buy and hold long-term in alpha markets? Like what, what did you think of that, that part of the conversation? Honestly, I think that a lot of uh, alpha markets are trying to become more beta and vice versa. So when you bring up a market like Houston, I mean, that was pretty one sector dependent up until fairly recently on the oil industry. So they're going to look for more stable employment sectors and they've done a phenomenal job on healthcare with the MD Anderson Center there and everything else they brought in. So that's where, I mean, that's, this is something that we pay attention to as commercial operators of the demographics and what the local government leaders are doing in terms of bringing uh, companies and industries to their, to their city. So um, it's important for us to stay on top of not only job growth in general, but what types of sectors those are and how recession resistant those jobs uh, really are in case things uh, do, do go south. And that gets into the whole uh, remote work capabilities and, and technology sectors and how robust that can be um, in, in certain cases of maintaining um, jobs or even providing flexibility to where jobs could leave uh, for certain other sectors. And we, we know the prime example of that right now is the Bay Area here in California of how all the highly paid, highly trained uh, employees up there are able to jump across state lines to Nevada or Boise, Idaho and maintain their high salary and get, get three times the cost of living um, improvement by, by making that jump. So these are all important things that we need to pay attention to in, t- in terms of those markets. Yeah. I mean, but in terms of allocation, I mean, do, do you think this refresh and being as bullish as he is, and I would say, I don't know if we're, <laughs> I would say we're, we're maybe not even as bullish as he is, uh, even though he may be right. yeah, a little more bullish right. right after listening to him was... Yeah. I don't know if we'd ever go Vegas. That seems super one. It, it, I, I mean, clearly Vegas has been an incredible real estate market. If you know anything about Vegas and the home prices has almost doubled there, they've definitely benefited the most from the refresh because it almost makes it look like Vegas is a more stable market because they've had such a great run. But, yeah. you know, again, COVID kind of helped reset this and given them some more sustained growth. And it's a business business friendly state, landlord friendly. I mean, it's got some some fundamentals that bode well for, for long term. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess in terms of an investor too, though, man, like you're an investor, you invest in our deals, you're investing in other deals. I mean, how do you allocate that? Like it, the, 
was his point in the beta markets the reason he's there in bullish economies is because there's better yield higher like better better appreciation when would be the point to say hey i'm i'm focusing more in these beta markets right now instead of allocating more towards a and then when do we make that shift over the next couple of years yeah great question tough to tough to summarize even um i mean i think of a market like austin that we're active in we're we're working on a deal there right now and um, that probably was considered a beta market uh, X number of years ago. Um, but we see folks continue to buy in to that market as cap rates still slowly go lower and lower. And we do a very thorough job of looking at what the long-term growth trends are and, and should look like. And a town like that has just done so much to continue to attract growth and, and sustain and support that growth that um, I, I still you know, feel, feel confident um, getting, getting the yield and appreciation that we need out of a market like that. So um, I, I think we would, we would balance those with maybe some more secondary uh, markets as well, uh, just to be able to get that higher yield and kind of get ahead of the curve. Um, and by secondary market, typically that's gonna be on the outskirts of a major metro area. So obviously it, it's able to capitalize on a lot of the, the infrastructure and um, overall demographic growth with that area. So that's, that's kind of the way that I would pair those two. Your, your current prediction on interest rates before we get out of here, by the time you come on this show, let's call it beginning of Q2. What do you think? <laughs> I'm trying to work a refinance uh, that I kind of have to wait a couple months. So I hope they don't go up too much <laughs> between now and then. But uh, I mean, just for impressions sake, uh, not to mention uh, staving off and quelling inflation a little bit, I think it's going up. Uh, it seems like the consensus is about 75 bips basis points over, um, over the course of 2022. So my guess would be they divide that into thirds and do about 25 basis points uh, each right. quarter over the next year. Interesting. Well, dude, this was fun, man. Let's do this again. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. There's a lot going on in the world right now. So plenty to talk about. Uh, Symphony, tell folks where to go, man, so they can, they can learn about what we got going on. Yeah. So we're all over social media. Uh, look us up on Symphony Capital Group. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Our website is uh, symphonycapitalgroup.com. And then if anyone has any questions, you can reach out to me. Again, my name is Keith Meyer, and I'm Keith at symphonycapitalgroup.com. My man, appreciate you, dude. Have a good one. You too, man.